Hi, thank you for listening to the Empire Podcast. We are so grateful for the love and support you've shown us over the past few episodes. Be sure to subscribe to us so that you can be notified when we release a new episode. Welcome to the Empire Podcast. We are excited to bring you guys fresh content this uh, today. And we are joined by a special guest, uh, Martin Quinones of Worship Center at Westside. He's been a pastor for 10 years now, and he is loving every second of it. So why don't you just introduce yourself? Thank you, just did. But hey, my name is Martin Quinones, and it's uh, good to be on this podcast and hope that uh, what uh, you hear today uh, even though it may not be music to your ears, hopefully it changes your mind and opens uh, your heart to what the Word of God really says. Yeah, we're really excited for you to be on this uh, episode. It's going to be a good time. So with that being said, we want to ask him uh, some questions and we're just going to follow up with some hard ones to make sure that his life is extra hard today. And so um, there is a common misconception out there that pastors are dictators and they just want to control everybody, control everything, micromanage your life, do all that. And so what would you say to somebody that walks into church with that mindset saying, um, I'm not going to submit to any type of pastor. I think that you guys are control freaks and I want my life to be my own life, but still worship God at the same time. What would you say to somebody like that? I think uh, there's several things that are in order to do when a situation like this arises the first thing is obviously to shine the love of god over uh this person because if they're already coming with a mentality that i'm not gonna receive it's gonna be hard for them to receive anything so the first thing that they will need is a little bit of assurance uh you know a whole lot of love from jesus and I've said it before many times that the love of Jesus is not just all about hugs and, you know, uh, kisses, but uh, with love, there is correction. Now, obviously, you're not going to go ahead and correct people right uh, from the beginning. Uh, You have to build that relationship. But I think what's important is for them to realize that they they need to... um, to accept uh, an apology. And that's the first thing I think I would try to do is an apologize for them being in that situation or, or having that train of thought because not every pastor, you know, or minister is out to uh, just be a dictator. So I think uh, part of that goes with showing a little, uh, you know, uh, repentance uh, for those that have uh, abused power because there are many that will abuse their authority. Hmm. Okay, cool. So biblically speaking, what can we take from the Bible to show what are the pastor's limits and what are his, um, I guess you would say, what are his limits to power and what power does he have over people? Maybe not the best way to put it, but how much authority does a pastor have in somebody's life and where is the stop? Where's the start? And this is a, a, a very uh, wide area because you could go into the Old Testament, uh, what the prophets are talking, what the shepherds should do and shouldn't do, and how some shepherds were just bleeding uh, the sheep, meaning, you know, they're trying to shear the wool and try to get the best out of uh, the sheep, that they're hurting the sheep. And that's not 
what God has called pastors uh, to do or be. But, you know, in all reality, it goes back to New Testament as well, where uh, we're commanded to obey those that are in authority uh, because um, they're a representation of God. Now, let me clear that up real quick. I'm not saying that every person in authority is godly or a direct representation of God's character, but they're a representation of authority. And, and that's what um, uh, Romans uh, talks about, you know, that we have to just uh, be submissive to uh, government. Uh, Romans 13, 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist have been put in place by God. I know that opens up a can of worms for many questions, but again, this is not saying that they have the character of God. This doesn't say that they're uh, godly people. It just goes back, they represent authority. Um, I've always been a firm believer, though, that you uh, you follow God's authority first before you bow down to man's authority. Okay, that's an interesting question. I'm glad that you brought up government because that segues us into an even bigger subject is how much authority should the church play in government? Because you have some that say, you know, the church uh, should be the ones that convict the government and almost run it behind the scenes. And then you have other ones that are like firmly separation church and state and their own interpretation of what that means. And so does the church play a role in how government is? Should the government listen to the church or should the church completely control the government almost to a theocracy? I mean, what do you say about that? <laughs> wow. That's uh, that was like four or five questions. If, uh, if, if I'm uh... If I was counting, uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot to really uh, grasp there in that sense, because, you know, when we talk about government, you know, obviously I was looking at it from a spiritual standpoint, but it does uh, open up into, you know, just the secular um, uh, portion of it. Now, I really believe that um, we should be the influencers we should influence government in the sense that godly people should be making decisions for the commonwealth of people um you talked about the separation of church and state that's a whole different tangent and we're not going to raise uh we're not going to chase that rabbit trail okay. today because there's uh you know that's just a whole different there's a whole misconception about separation of church and state and you know that, uh, again, maybe that'll be for a future podcast. But at the end of the day, I think if we don't have people with good morals and, uh, uh, you know, just uh, the interest of the people, then we're, we're in trouble. I really believe that um, godly people should be making decisions now. That opens up more questions. That opens up, you know, other topics um you know are we a christian nation are we not a christian nation but going back to just bringing it back to pastors and pastors authority i believe that you know if i'm not mistaken it's in first peter that it, it talks about you know the the integrity and what we need to have uh 
to be able uh, to lead. And it goes back to if we're not being influenced by good people, um, then I, I really believe we're in trouble. And uh, I believe that secular government is a reflection of the church and pastors. Uh, if we're mediocre, if we're, we lack integrity, it, it shows in government. And uh, that's just what I, I strongly believe. Do you have a question that you want to ask? Not at the moment, but I'm really enjoying well, it. I got tons of questions. I mean, I hope you're ready. <laughs> um, do you feel like pastors are often misunderstood for the role that they play? Or do you think that you guys aren't just, or pastors in general, aren't doing what they um, are almost mandated to do? Do you think that it's a lack of the pastors being obedient? Or do you think pastors are misunderstood, which hinders their ability to do what they're told? or do what they feel like they should from God? That's an open-ended question or questions, but let me see if I could answer them adequately. It goes to the heart of the pastor. Uh, I'm not, we're not here to obviously shame or, you know, uh, put people on blast, but the reality is that where correction is needed, you know, it, it needs to be done. Uh, can pastors be misunderstood? Absolutely. Because until you know the pastor's heart and the purity of a pastor's heart, you won't know if their intentions towards you and your family are pure or if it's for self-gain. And then we go back to, well, are they true shepherds or not? Um so at the end of the day, yes, there's a lot of misunderstanding. There's a lot of mixed feelings and emotions uh, on what pastors do, because there's a lot of stuff that's done in the public eye. And there's a lot of stuff that's done behind the scenes where nobody knows. Um, of course, the, the smaller the congregation, the, the more uh, this is true, the bigger the congregation, then you have different... Uh, uh, people on staff or laity, uh, like they call it, to where each one has their own role and does uh, different things. But um, I believe that pastors can be misunderstood. Uh, but a lot of that goes back to the integrity and, and the pastor's heart. There's many that just do it for self-gain and self-promotion and spotlight and influence. And, you know, I think that without even wanting to, we're going to be influential. So I don't have to try extra hard to be an influencer. I should, you know, by nature, be an influencer of kindness and God's love and mercy and uh, what he has for us. So how do you uh, spot a pastor that is just for the glory and the fame and maybe possibly the money and how, if, you, if someone's like unsure, should you be going to this church? They don't know the pastor's intent. How, how, what, do they, what can they ask or what can they look for uh, to really see that the pastor is genuine for the people and not for, for himself gain? Okay, that's, that's a pretty good question. You know, if you have people that, that are seasoned, obviously discernment is going to go a long way. But for somebody that is new, that's a newcomer, you know, obviously, um, I don't know that there's any telltale signs per se, 
But at the end of the day, what we can see is what is their message really about? You know, is it about personal growth? Is it about love? Is it forgiveness? Is it mercy? Is it the true gospel of Jesus Christ? Or is it bring me your money? You know, we want money. We need money. If you don't have money, if you don't bring money, you're not saved, which all those can be heresies or it could be misconstrued um, uh, teachings because of uh, their idea of self-gain and, you know, what they want for themselves. Um, I don't think that to walk in humili humility means that you have to be poor or you know, walk to church and say, oh, that pastor really loves God because he's walking to church and, you know, he dresses very humbly. I don't believe that's it either, but there there could be a lot of telltale signs, um, you know, how they carry themselves, how they treat people. And, and a good telltale sign is if you come to a pastor and tell them, I have nothing to give, I have nothing to offer, uh, I don't have money, you know, how can I serve or what can I do? You'll see how they treat you. You'll see how valuable you are to them. If they open their arms and bring you in and say, hey, you have, you don't have to worry about anything. Just come in and be a part of this. Then you know they're, they're humble and they're legit. Now, if they treat you differently, because obviously you're not putting big donations in or you know, you're not taking them out to eat and treating them to everything and bring them in Starbucks and all that good stuff, then, you know, you might, you might be in trouble. I don't know if that kind of answers your question to some extent. Yeah, I, I think it does. Looking at the heart's uh, intentions by seeing the fruits of how he interacts with people, his message conveyed, will he meet with you personally or does he send everybody else to meet with you, even if it's a month out of the way? Like, I think the intentions are really there. And like you said earlier, with small churches dynamic and a mega church, it's a lot different. It is different. It is. So I get that's a, that's a thank you. That was good. And, and you have to understand, you know, and, and it's not that I have anything against mega churches. I think they're just better staffed to if you need, per se, marriage counseling and they have actual marriage counselors on staff, it would make more sense to send you to them than it is for a pastor that maybe, you know, can do the counseling, but it's not a professional at it per se. So in some of those areas, yeah, we have to be careful that we're not misunderstanding, you know, that as well. But Yeah, and I noticed a lot of things. Every single pastor out there is human, and all the pastors have a testimony about where God found them and where they found God and their testimony why they're in position, and all of them have different passions of what they preach and i think that's another thing to look at is some pastors are more well round, round uh more rounded of everything that they preach mm -hmm. and some are more focused and i think sometimes we want it all balanced and have to uh say everything exactly right without communicating to pastor and we leave mad and i think communication uh is a huge thing in leadership as well Communication is key, and, and, and I think that you're on to something here. If you do have a question, I believe you should be able to make that appointment and be able to talk to the pastor. Mm -hmm. I really believe that, you know, shouldn't be a problem. 
when you're being avoided or questions aren't willing to be answered, I think that's when you also know that you're in trouble or I can't say that you're in the wrong place, but probably not at the right place. <laughs> right. So when you're always feeling offended at every single church that you go to, it might not be a pastor problem. Mm -hmm. It might be a you problem. The individual problem. Can you can kind of hit on that a little bit? If you're always offended at church and you can't find church and you keep on going church to church and you keep on nitpicking, what does that kind of self-examine? What does that kind of look like? Well, I think that goes for self-examination. And here's the awkward thing about it. None of us likes to be told that we're wrong. None of us like to be told that we're hurt. None of us like to be told that there's possible past trauma that you know we need to work on but the truth of the matter is that if you go to different places and you know it, it's kind of like some people uh they could switch jobs 25 times and it's always the boss it's always the supervisor it's always the co-workers you know is it really always them uh you change from school to school and it's always the principal it's always the counselors it's always the teachers so then at some point you have to stop and reflect. It's really not everybody else. It's me. Um, so it takes a lot of self, uh, soul searching, self searching, and having true friends that are going to tell you, "Hey, you're really, you really need to look into this. You really need to work on this." And it sounds offensive sometimes, and it comes across like I thought you were my friend, but it is the true friends that will actually tell you the truth. Mm, yeah. You know, and at some point you have to come to realize that no, not every pastor's out to get you. No, not every pastor's after your money. No, not every pastor's after the good things that you can bring, but that there's some pastors out there that really genuinely care for people, uh, for their well being, for their safety, for their spiritual being. So, you know, it just, I think that's, uh, where it's at that's good and i think another point to make is not putting all the pr uh, pressure on your pastor to do every little thing in your life mm -hmm. and to have other people around you to champion you because i see that a lot where oh my pastor doesn't meet my needs he doesn't answer my phone calls he doesn't do all that it's like he has a life he has a family he has friends and that's what you have a community for and i think that that's a misconstrued that a lot of people have is trying to put everything on the pastor instead of their community and i believe that you know if we full circle this thing around going to the first question that michael asked it it, it goes to the false expectations that mm. are put on the pastors yeah you know uh the expectations are well a pastor needs to meet my social needs my uh, physical needs spiritual needs this need that need here you know and uh, as awkward or as bad as it sounds, it's true. There's many people that think that it is the pastor's job to do everything for them. And I believe that that creates a, a codependent society and a society of uh, enabled people. Mm -hmm. And that's just, again, maybe another topic for another day or another podcast. Well, I want to circle back to uh, when we were talking about the mega church. Do you feel like that being a local pastor of, you know, not a mega church, do you feel like that you're almost at a disadvantage because 
you don't have the resources or the staff to be able to send people to, do you feel like that plays a part into the false expectations? Oh, that's uh that's a good question. I don't think I'm at a disadvantage because the calling that has uh, that God has over my life is a calling that he's entrusted me with. So I believe that where God calls, he provides, um, yeah. you know, it, it's one of those things uh, you have to do, do with what you have. Um, and it's part of networking and, I thank God that there's many uh, good spiritual uh, uh, pastors uh, or colleagues of mine, you know, in the area that we could always work with and, and, you know, refer people to. So I don't think it's a disadvantage. Um, is it less comfortable? I would call it less comfortable. I wouldn't call it a disadvantage, you know, uh, but at the end of the day, I don't think that just because somebody pastors a mega church, their calling is much greater or um, you know, they're at a greater advantage. Sure, there may be more resources or there may be easy pool uh, for things to get done. But at the end of the day, when you have a, a leader that's passionate, I think the the followers and, you know, the, the uh, spiritual children or the sheep or you know, whatever you want to uh, call them, um, they will follow and they will have uh, that in return. Okay. I, I really like enjoying these answers so far. So uh, we're on short time. So we're just going to wrap up with one last question and we'll ask this. What do you, what would you say to someone that feels called to be a pastor that are struggling to get started? Don't give up. <laughs> Don't give up. Uh, it goes back to comfort. God didn't call us to be comfortable. The comfort we find is in the comfort of Holy Spirit. Um, so there's going to be many uh, people pushing back. There's going to be many people that will just not uh, understand the vision, that will not buy into the vision. And when I mean buy, it's not that they're paying their way in, but you know, when, when you're just not sold out for something, you just don't participate. You don't put your heart in it. You don't put your, you know, time, effort, resources in it. So, uh, again, one of the things that I've said, you know, a minute ago was where God calls, he provides. So it, it's not going to be easy, but it's not impossible either. So it's just a matter of not giving up and surround yourself with people and pastors that are willing to cheer you on and root for you and to help you in any way possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thank you for your time, Pastor Martin. I uh, hope to have you again soon. All right. Thanks for listening. We have a new episode every Monday at 12 p.m. Eastern time.